It's a Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories bonus episode. My name is Brian. Thank you for getting involved in the show. When you send us mail at wearethestoryguys at gmail.com or when you hit us on Twitter, uh, hit up Murdoch. It's at, hey, it's Murdoch, uh, M-U-R-D-O-C-K. Speaking of Twitter, uh, we're going to get to the mail, but a couple of things I just ran across on Twitter first. I saw a guy start a thread about Greatest American Rock Band, which is my favorite conversation starter. We've talked about this on the show because you got to think about it for a second because all of the big names are British, right? The Zeps, the Stones, the um, the Who, the Beatles, right? All British. So then you have to sort of sit back and the correct answer, spoiler alert, is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. But there's like one guy in the comments, like hundreds and hundreds of comments, and there's one guy who just every few comments is commenting <laughs> Goose, <laughs> which is like a jam band from the last five years. So, you know, <laughs> we, we talked recently about DMB, uh, Dave Matthews Band being the jam band for people who hate jam bands. Uh, Goose and that Goose fan are, are why sometimes people do not like jam bands. <laughs> that made me laugh. Also making me laugh, do you... So here's a story that I, I had totally forgotten about, and I just saw someone repost this video. So do you remember the time that Akon threw a kid off stage. Do you remember Akon? Do you remember this guy? And you know we are front. I see you whining and grinding up on that pole. I know you see me looking at you and you already know I want to fuck you. You already know I want to fuck you. You already know. First of all, you probably thought that song was I Want to Love You. It's not, all right? So <laughs> there you have that. Also, here's the story, though. In 2007, which, let me remind you, was the staggering uh, 15 years ago, uh, he was doing a concert in upstate New York, and it only makes it better that it was in a city called Fishkill. So he was in Fishkill, New York, and there's this... 15-year-old kid who, like, he he's up by the edge of the stage. And Akon thinks the kid has thrown something on stage. I don't think he did. I'm not sure if it's known. But he has security hand him the kid. And then he puts the kid over his shoulder and throws him back into the other side of the audience. Which is just, a, like, you was like, what? What did he do? Like, that was my initial reaction, right? And Here's the funny thing. So now you can go watch this video. It's like floating around everywhere. It's been 15 years. But think about 15 years ago. Like people weren't quite used to everything being captured on a cell phone. And so his family presses charges. And Akon's like, nope, didn't do it. Nope, I'm innocent. And then all these people from the show are like, uh, we totally have that on tape. And so the internet just gets flooded with these videos of Akon clearly throwing this kid on his head into the audience. Kid doesn't get hurt, but it is a jarring thing to watch this grown man pick up this boy. I mean, he as soon as he has him up on stage, you're like, that's not a full-grown man. Like, that's a kid. And he launches him into the audience. Uh, but here's the thing. What do you think Akon... <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't laugh about this. And this is a really old story, but that's what we talk about on this show, right? What do you think Akon got fined? Or, or what kind of trouble do you think he got into? He had to do 65 hours of community service, which seems at least a, a start. And he got fined $350. That's it. 
So you can throw a child in a public arena in Fishkill, New York, and it's just a it's a measly three hundred and fifty bucks. It's like cheaper than the concert ticket. I had no idea. What? Then there's like this aftermath of this where like the trial happens or the hearing or whatever. I don't think it was a full trial. And they're like the family's outside the courthouse because it's all happens in Fishkill. Like he has to go back to Fishkill a year later and face these charges. And so he walks out and the, the kid's like waiting for him in the parking lot. And the parents are just like yelling at you threw my kid off stage. Like it is, it is a crazy, bizarre story. Uh, but Hey, let's get to the mailbag. I appreciate you sending us crazy and bizarre stories like Greg. Greg, uh, is, is really just like sort of bringing everything together from the last few weeks on this show. Recently, we've talked about Axel Rose. Uh, we talked about his rivalry first with Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, but then, uh, I, I think last week we got a letter where we talked a little bit about, uh, everything that he had going on also with Vince Neil. But Greg writes to remind us of a different rivalry, which I had forgotten about, and it brings several recent episodes together, which is the rivalry between Axl Rose and David Bowie. Now, you might be like, what? How would that possibly happen? Uh, so David Bowie, first of all, has a direct Guns N' Roses connection because uh, Slash's mom was his costume designer. This is true, okay? And Slash says, I think it's in his autobiography, that at one point he sees them naked together. I don't know if they were doing anything or if they were just, you know, friendly and helping each other change clothes, but supposedly that's a thing. So, yes, Slash's mother, David Bowie, they have like a professional and maybe more than professional relationship at some point. But beyond that, uh, at the at just as like Guns N' Roses are exploding, it's 89 they're doing the It's So Easy video with Aaron Everly, who is Axel's girlfriend, and Video Vixen. She's there. She's in leather. They're shooting the video. Bowie shows up day drunk. This is how the story goes. On the set of the video, hitting on Aaron Everly, pisses Axel Rose off. At some point, they end up fisticuffs. He's swinging at David Bowie. There's also this great uh, anecdote where I hear where I've read that he is then at some point chasing David Bowie like down a hallway yelling, I'm going to kill you, Tin Man, which is hilarious for lots of reasons. Uh, and and then, so then that night, Bowie's on the front row for the show, and so is Slash's mom. Axel from the stage is being rude, making comments, sort of saying pointed things to Bowie. Bowie ends up leaving halfway through. But the best part of this story comes when another person we've talked about on the show very recently enters the frame, which is Mick Jagger. Remember, this is when Guns N' Roses are opening for the Stones for a stretch of dates. And so Jagger at some point comes into a, into Axel's dressing room on this tour and is like, dude, is it true that you punched David Bowie? Not only is... Axel being asked this by Mick Jagger with Mick Jagger's Eric Clapton. So the two of them are like cornering Axel and, and Axel's like, yeah. So he tells him the story. He was hitting on Aaron. I was pissed off, blah, 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 blah. And they're both like, dude, this guy does that crap all the time. They start complaining and bitching about David Bowie to Axel Rose. Axel Rose says he didn't even participate really at that point. He just sat back and watched these two rock legends complain about a third rock legend, which is an amazing thing to think about. 
All right. Should we do one more? Uh, recently on the show, was talking with our producer, Leif, and we, we sort of stumbled upon this idea of a spinoff about rock stars in restaurants. Uh, he told a story about seeing uh, Todd Rundgren in a restaurant, which still so funny uh mental picture uh and so we ask you we are the story guys at gmail.com if you have a if you have a story about seeing a rock star in a restaurant we did hear from adam adam writes the show um you would have thought that i'd have encountered more musicians in restaurants in my years in nashville i lived there from 95 to 2005 but we must not have traveled in the same circles i did see a lot of athletes uh, from the Titans over the years. But I will share that once I saw Leanne Rimes at a Baja burrito and she got the shrimp burrito. She waited in line just like everybody else and sat in the crowd. Nobody bothered her or asked for an autograph, but they did know she was there. The moral of that story is that Leanne Rimes eats her burritos one bite at a time, just like the rest of us. I, I love this idea that the kind people of Nashville just, just were like... We know that that girl's over there, but we're just we're just gonna let her eat her burrito in peace. We really are public servants. Uh, I, we also heard from John, North Carolina. He says, "I once sat at a table next to George Jones at a Red Lobster while he celebrated his birthday with his family. Tammy was not there." <laughs> It's always more fun when it's like a chain restaurant. They're just like us, folks. They're just like us. Well, so we were having this talk last week, and then I was out with some friends last weekend, went to see Modest Mouse. It was an excellent time. And after the show, we go to this bar and grill, and it's late, and it's hilarious because we walk in and there's people there, but... They're clearly regulars, and we are clearly not regulars. This is on a, the opposite side of town that I live on. It's actually the side of town that Murdoch lives on. I'm not with Murdoch. Um, Murdoch's wife, I believe, was in the venue at this concert. Murdoch did not go. He had other plans. And so, uh, but I'm on his side. So we, like, you don't know this, but we live on, in the same city, but on opposite sides of the city. And so, I mean, not, not terribly far, but enough to where we're not always in each other's neighborhoods. So I'm over there and I'm like texting him. I'm like, Hey man, I'm over at this bar in your neck of the woods. He's like asleep already, of course. But when we walk in, because we are not regulars, the bartender and the owner show up. They're like closing down the kitchen. But when we walk in, they're like, Oh no, no, no. We're keeping the cook here. We will make you anything you want on any of our menus. We're not even like, you don't even have to order off the late night menu. They give us like this red carpet service. They know we've gone to see Modest Mouse. They turn Modest Mouse on the jukebox, and they play Modest Mouse for a solid 30 minutes. Deep cuts, not just the hits. It's insane service. But as a part of this, the owner comes up to us about three quarters of the way through our meal. Having no idea that we've been discussing rock stars in restaurants on this illustrious pod, and he says, I got to tell you a story about Modest Mouse. He said, I, and he tells us about a different bar in town which we're all familiar with. My friend Nathan got kicked out of this bar once. And he goes, so I was at that bar and what year did he say it was? I want to say it was, it was like 2004. And this would have been right when Modest Mouse was hitting the mainstream. They'd had this huge independent following, right? And then they got the major record deal. But they're probably like on that first tour. 
He claims he goes into that bar, it's late, and it's packed, and he waits for a table, and these girls are leaving, and they've left their food on the table, and they're like, hey, you can have our table, but the table has not been cleared. So this guy, the guy who owns the restaurant that I'm in on Friday night, right, he sits down at this table and is just like pulls out a book or something, right? I think he had gotten off work. I don't remember what the circumstance was. And then all of a sudden, this dude walks in the door, and he walks up to the table, and he's like, hey, can I sit here? Because there's like nowhere else to sit, right? So the guy looks up, and he's like, sure, yeah, yeah, sit down. So the guy sits down opposite him, and then he waits a beat, and then he's like, hey, uh, is this your food? And the guy's like, no, there were girls at this table here before, and they just left, and that's like their leftover food. And he goes, cool, so can I eat it? And the guy's like, uh, I mean, it's not my food and they're gone. I would say you're probably good if that's what you want to do. And so the guy who has sat down just starts eating this food, just cleans it up like two plates of food, just odds and ends, just <laughs> devours it. Then he starts talking to the guy and he's like, yeah, uh, I'm just, you know, we're coming through town. I'm in this band. Everything's been a whirlwind. Haven't gotten to eat much and just like starving and trying to find food. And like, man, that was great. Thanks for letting me eat that stuff. And he's like, really? Well, what's the name of your band? And he's like, oh, it's, yeah, we're called Modest Mouse. Uh, my name's Isaac. So <laughs> this guy says not only was he in a restaurant with Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse, but that Isaac Brock was just eating people's food uh, off random tables because he was so hungry uh, as they were at the beginning of their ascent into rock stardom, but not quite there yet. I don't know, man. These stories are fantastic. I might choose the George Jones one in a fight just because it takes place at a red lobster, which for some reason tickles my fancy, but I literally, uh, I, I can't get enough of this. So if you have a rock star in a restaurant story, Make sure you get that to us. It's we are the story guys at gmail.com or again, tweet at Murdoch at hey it's Murdoch, M-U-R-D-O-C-K. And uh, we will likely discuss. We appreciate you hanging out with us. And uh, we'll be back next week with a full-length episode. Thanks for listening and keep telling stories.